Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. Welcome to the second week of Advent, everyone. Our scripture reading this week comes from this beautiful story in Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 35. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with that is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praising God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you've been coming to the Vine for a while, one of the things you might notice is that uh, we believe some of the greatest gifts in our communal faith, our life together, is not found in current fads of today, but is actually found in the tradition that we have as a church in, in the past. That is why you will see us, uh, we'll have prayer of confessions, we'll we will celebrate the sacraments as we do most Sundays. We'll also practice seasons. For our church uh, life, we actually practice two different seasons in the church calendar. Some people call us liturgy light, um, but we actually practice the season of Lent that begins in Ash Wednesday and it culminates in Easter. And the other season that we practice is the season in which we are in today, which is Advent. Um, Advent, it began uh, two Sundays ago or last Sunday, and here we are in the second week in this season of Advent. The word Advent means arrival. So it is a season in which we remember the way in which Jesus arrived 2,000 years ago. We remember the promises that Jesus gives us that he promises to come again, uh, to make all things new and uh, once and for all. And then we also consider in our lives how today we are longing for Jesus uh, to arrive in our needs, arrive in our community, arrive in our life. Many might not know this, but the season of Advent actually is the beginning of the year. So happy belated new year to you. Uh, in the church ca- calendar, this is actually, we've entered into a new season. It, we've entered into a new year, which is interesting to me because the rest of our society is like in this mad dash to finish out the year. It, uh, it, we're in this frantic pace that we're just running towards Christmas, but Advent actually calls us to, to stop, to have a time out. Just think before the, the commercial uh, machinery of Christmas turned on, for generations and generations, this was the slow time of year. 
As we enter into Advent, we are called to to slow things down, to wonder where are the longings that we have in our life? Where, where, where am I waiting for Jesus to arrive again? Where are the needs that I'm, I, I just need God to show up in? And we're watching for that. That's what, that's what the season is meant for. That's why we are doing this series called Behold, as we consider the ways in which we can create space for Christ, especially in this, the busiest month of the year, that we can create space to actually behold Jesus anew, especially as we think about the longings we have for God. So today's story is actually of someone who literally had the joy of beholding Jesus. Uh, He actually beheld the one, the only. And this story takes place well after the manger scene is over, after the shepherds have left, after life kind of picked up and moved on, um, the story emerges in our scripture. Uh, it was a requirement in that day and age, and from the law of Leviticus, that when a new child was born, 30, around 33 days after their birth, they were called, uh, the parents were called to present their child, much like we saw today, uh, devoting this child to the Lord and for the mother to be purified as well. And so that is, that is the scene in which this takes place. And so let us turn to Luke chapter 2, verses 22 is where we begin. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every first male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons." Now, because that practice is so unfamiliar to us, some details that are embedded in these words are lost in us. The interesting thing is for the original reader, they would have picked up on something. The standard for when a child was dedicated and devoted and when a mother was purified, a standard for that sacrifice would be a lamb. But instead, we have here the sacrifice of a pair of doves and two, or two young pigeons, Why the difference? Well, here's the difference. If a family was too poor to buy a lamb, there is a provision in God's law that the more poor in the community could instead, if they couldn't afford it, they could could instead purchase a pair of doves or two pigeons, which was much more cheap. Um, They could provide that instead. This gives us a small glimpse, this is the only reason why I say this, is this gives us a small glimpse into the family in which Jesus was raised. That God did not choose the wealthy or the powerful or the prominent, but God chose a family who knew well what poverty was like. This would be the home in which the Savior of the world would be raised. No wonder Jesus seemed to always have an eye for the down and out those in the margin, those who were poor, those who were needy. Jesus seemed to gravitate there. Jesus was familiar with it. And it's worth pointing out, especially for me today, I'm so guilty of this. We live in a culture that is obsessed with giving our kids the best foot forward, providing comfort and protection, making sure that the routes of our school are the best of the best, when what we see here is that God's ideal choice for, for a home for His one and only Son was a home that was likely paycheck to paycheck, daily dependent upon God. And though they were poor in finances, it seems like Mary and Joseph were, 
were rich in righteousness. They were rich in godly character. And that's what mattered most to God. That's what God seemed to care about most. And so, for us, we see the story, and this day happens when the sacrifice is to be made. And while Mary and Joseph were packing up their diaper bags, getting ready to go to the temple, something else was happening. There is another part of this story as this man named Simeon was being drawn into the narrative. Verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So God had come to Simeon. And notice where God met Simeon. God met Simeon while he was waiting. While he was waiting, in the midst of his waiting, God showed up to him. Simeon was actively waiting and searching and hoping for the consolation of Israel. This word consolation is not something we use often, but it means uh, the gift of peace. It means comfort. It means uh, to be provided for. And so Simeon was looking for that. He was looking for the comfort and the consolation that Israel needed. Comfort from the oppression that Rome was giving them. Maybe comfort from the ways in which Israel was not reflecting the ways of God. And Simeon, he was looking at this and he was asking for God to do something about it. He was waiting for God to bring peace. And maybe if you were to have enough space this Advent season, if you were to slow down, maybe that's you too. Maybe there's some place in you today that you are just looking for peace. You're looking for consolation. Some part of your life is just, this is not the way that it seems like God intended it. Or this is just too much for me. And so you're looking for God to bring you peace. Maybe you're in the season of waiting, of hoping and looking. Simeon's story teaches that God shows up. God shows up for those who are faithfully looking and waiting for that advent. Well, God had made a promise to Simeon that Simeon would not die before he saw the Savior, before he, he beheld the one and only Emmanuel, God with us. Can you imagine what it would have been like for Simeon on that day to hear that from God, that, that he was going to see him, that he was going to see this, the Savior of the world, how Simeon must have felt such comfort in that that your eyes will see the great deliverer. I wonder, we don't, there's a lot in this story we don't know. I wonder how long it was between that promise and when he saw Jesus. I mean, was it months? Was it years? Was it decades? How long was that period of waiting, the in-between, that many of us find much of our life between the hopes and the dreams and, and the the faith that it'll come to reality. And I wonder, I just wonder, every time Simeon saw the boot of oppression step on, onto Israel one more day, if I, want, I wonder if Simeon thought, God, how come today's not a good day? Like, I, you know, every time injustice happened, I wonder if there's this prayer within Simeon, if I hate, how about now, you know? Today seems like a good day. But he had to wait. He had to wait. But then one day, the same voice that spoke this promise to Simeon 
It spoke to him again, and it said, today is the day. Verse 27, moved by the Spirit, Simeon went into the temple courts. So let's just imagine this for a second. Let's just allow ourselves, just our imagination to kick on. Let's imagine the scene of the day in the temple courts there. Imagine it was loud and busy, people coming and going, people greeting each other, eating donut holes, having coffee. And there in the midst of that, there's people haggling, trying to sell the sacrifices. That's happening. People with their lambs, and their lambs are making noises, and the two turtle doves are making noises, and people are singing about them. And in the midst of all of that, Simeon was quietly watching it all. Imagine Simeon thinking, all right, today's the day. Who is it here? Who is it here? And Simeon sees a, a powerful man, a man who had reputation and popularity. He had influence walk in, and Simeon goes, surely that, that, could be, that could be him. That could be the one. And God's voice was silent. And then, oh, the teacher of the law, religious, you know, a famous religious individual who is the teacher of the teachers, he knew the law backwards and forward. Oh, surely this could be the Savior. And God was silent. And then, almost unforeseen through the bustling of the situation, almost in the corner of the room, were these young, young parents with this newborn babe, carrying with them the signs of their poverty, like publicly. You don't have to think there would be a little bit of disgrace that you could not provide a more suitable sacrifice, but here they were, were these two doves, and they're walking through, and the voice of God clicks on within you. Go meet your Savior. Your waiting is over. How unexpected. How unexpected we find the Savior of the world. This helpless, poor infant. Verse 27, when the parents brought the... In the child Jesus to do for him what the custom was of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms as any parents of newborns, you love that, right? Some random stranger without a bottle of Purell near them just picks up <laughs> your baby, sure. But Simeon, he just, he, he, couldn't, he couldn't wait. He had to hold this one. And finally, the fulfillment of the promise that Simeon was given, it came true. The season of waiting was over. The advent happened because Simeon still waited on God, because Simeon continued to listen to God, practice watchfulness. Because of all of that, Simeon had the privilege to behold Christ. Then Simeon did what many people would do when they experience Jesus in the story that we have of, of how Jesus came into this world, he broke into song. And this is what he said. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles in the glory of your people Israel. What a beautiful saying here. What a beautiful set of words. I'm struck by Simeon's words. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you can dismiss me. You can dismiss me, your servant in peace. 
Here, this old man, Simeon, likens himself to a servant who was given the duty from God to scan the horizon, looking for the long-awaited visitor, saying, your, your role is not over until you have seen him come. And now, Simeon, he reports to the master, to the master God, and says in this song that it has been fulfilled. He claims his privilege. His long watch is over. It's been fulfilled. Not only that, but his life is now complete. He's done. The consolation, the peace, the comfort that he had been waiting for and watching for is finally here. It's finally here. And Simeon reveals for me the absolute beauty of when your faithfulness is just stubborn. It just doesn't give up. But notice Simeon's words. He's between the waiting when he was praying for the consolation of Israel to now God was doing something, it seems like, in the waiting. Notice, notice in those words that my eyes have seen the salvation for all the nations. I was wanting it just for me and my people, but it seems like this Messiah is now the light for the whole world, for the Gentiles and for Israel. This is not just our Savior, not just my Savior, but it is the Savior of the entire world. There's a bigger story going on than just this Messiah being for Israel. And at these words in verse 33, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. They marveled. I wonder if this was just a sweet confirmation of the same voices that spoke to them, the angels that spoke to them while they were pregnant to now, like this is being confirmed This is true. This is truly happening. But then Simeon, he turns his attention to Mary. Verse 34, Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. Thanks for the, thanks for the blessing, Simeon. <laughs> then he just walks off. He just leaves. He just walks away. You see, Simeon receives this fulfillment of the promise on this day. And he finally sees his Savior. But then he extends a promise to Mary. Simeon, it's almost a cloaked promise, a mysterious promise almost like a, a, a riddle in so many ways, a parable in so many ways. Simeon promises that this will truly be a prince of peace, but the peace that he will bring about will actually cause conflict. It'll disrupt. It'll cause the rising of some and the falling down of others. It will reveal and expose what's in people's hearts. That's what this son of yours is going to do. And man, these words do come true. Jesus truly does cause the rising of some and the falling of others. Jesus really does expose people's hearts. It still happens in our life today. This is what Jesus does in our life. And who does Jesus cause to rise? Who does Jesus lift up? The lowly. Those who are poor in spirit. Those who need a Savior and they're willing to make that known. Jesus lifts them up. And who does Jesus cause to fall? Who's made low? Well, it is the prideful, the pompous. It's the spiritual elite, the moral elite, the morally self-sustaining. Those people are made low. Oh, and Mary, don't worry, a sword is going to pierce your soul. 
What was this sword, this mysterious word? Well, Mary would have the experience that no parent would want when you have to view your, your prized possession in your life, your child, be killed, to lose a child. You see, Jesus would cause this rising and falling, and it created so much conflict. It was such a threat to those in power that they decided to go ahead and kill them rather than be made low. And that rising and falling would end up happening to Jesus himself when Mary, she was there when she saw her own son lifted upon the cross and then made low and buried in the tomb. When Jesus was, took his last, last breath, Jesus was speaking about his mother to John, saying, care for her. This is now your mother. Mother, this is now your son. She was there And I wonder if when Mary saw Jesus' corpse upon that cross, I wonder if these words of Simeon came to her mind, and I wonder if it felt like a sword just was stuck through her soul. It was the promise. This Advent, I've noticed in this story of Simeon, is a story of promises. Simeon gives us a beautiful example of what it's like to wait actively for God you see, for us, the way we think about waiting, we think of it as like a passive action, which is just like us killing time. No, in the faith life, in the season of Advent, waiting is an active expression. Simeon, he held on to the promises of God. With faith, he believed that one day that he would truly see salvation. This is not a passive action. It was active expectation. With every day, it was there was a glimmer of hope. Every day there was a glimpse of the sacred bursting into the world. It's the difference between picture like a a football player actively waiting in the sidelines going, put me in, I'm ready, I'm ready. They're not checked out. They're watching the coach hoping that their name is called or a, a child counting down the days till Christmas happens or watching me when my Amazon Prime is about to be delivered. I'm waiting, I'm looking. In contrast, just see so many other places in our life where we have this opportunity to wait, and rather than wait with expectation, we just kill time. We just entertain ourselves, veg out. Faithful waiting is active because it it requires us being present, present to God, listening to God, attentive to God, trusting God. That's the active nature of waiting. And that sounds great for Simeon, for him to demonstrate what it means to wait on the promises of God. But I know many of us, we have a difficult relationship with promises. We've learned to expect very, very, very little in promises we hear. Maybe it's because we've seen relationships dissolve, marriage vows be broken. We've seen career opportunities that were given to us, promised to us, evaporate. A parent who, uh, who's neglected us, even churches who have disappointed us. And we learn not to expect much from promises. But Simeon points out that there's a different direction that we could walk with God. When it comes to beholding the promises of God, there is absolutely no safer posture in our life than to be completely dependent upon the promises of God. Promises from God are not like that of this world. These promises will not flee. They are not weak. They do not evaporate. God will not give up. God cannot be detoured until they will be shown true. God gave us these promises so that we would have something to grasp in this world, in this life, as challenges find their way to us. 
In his book, Hidden Wholeness, a wonderful author by the name of Parker Palmer, he relates a story about farmers in the Midwest who would prepare for blizzards. These farmers, they would tie a rope from the back of their house to the barn because they knew that they would have to go and take care of the animals or else the animals would freeze or they would starve. And so to ensure that they can make it back home, they would tie this rope. Because in the Midwest, blizzards can come up quickly and fiercely. When it is in full force, you cannot even see to the very end of your arm. So many times, unfortunately, it would happen that disoriented and blinded by the blizzard, many farmers tragically froze to death in the midst of those blizzards. They would wander in circles, disoriented, lost and found the next day in their own backyards while they couldn't make it home. But many learned this practice of tying this rope ahead of time so that when the storms came, that they could cling to it. They could know if they, they hold on to it, they can take one step at a time, even though it's in the midst of darkness, even though they cannot see, knowing that if they keep going that way, that they will be led home. I'm afraid that many of us have put too little stock on the promises from God. Either because cynicism has crept up into our hearts and our minds, or maybe we project the brokenness of promises in our own life and we project it on God. And instead of waiting and watching, we prefer just to go it alone. Just kill time. Just find our own way. But when the storms of our life come, we know this from our life. I know it from my life. I can be blinded. I can be disoriented. I can seem to wander in circles and never make my way to a refuge. Friends, God has given us the promises from our scriptures and promises in our own life so that we have something to hold on to. Promises of God's character, promises of God's goodness, promise of his plans. In generation after generation after generation, people have held on to these promises so that step by step, they could be led to safety. They could be led to provision. They could find a refuge. There is a beauty in beholding the promises from God. And this story, though, gives us a warning. I know many of you who are cynics like me are going, uh, but yes, there is a warning, though. Just as Simeon's words reflect to Mary, these promises aren't always comforting. You're going to have a sword pierce your soul. That was a promise. Sometimes they include difficulty. Sometimes the promises of God aren't necessarily comforting. And similarly, just like Simeon's age would, could teach us, sometimes these promises rarely come on our, our timetable. Sometimes these promises seem way too late. And we want to microwave God's will in our life. Come on, let's nuke it. Let's go ahead and get it. But we find here that these promises, though they are not always comforting, those, these promises rarely come to us when we want it. They are worthy of our attention. They are worthy of our hope. They're worthy of our faith. And I believe if Simeon were here today, we gave him the microphone, allowed him to talk just for a little bit. My guess is he would say this to us. Don't give up. Don't give up. Hold on to the promises of God, though it seems like it's been too long. Don't give up. Listen. Seek. Wait. Keep watching. Carry your longings to God again and again and again, cling to them, for if you do, I promise you, you will end up beholding the Christ. He will see you through. I think for many of us, when we think about holding onto the promises of God today, 
Maybe some of us are in this camp that we've never really heard the promises from God. We don't really know what, what they are. We don't know what to hold on to. And then there's other people in this room who maybe you've, you've held on to promises of God in times and seasons of your life, but maybe you forgot them. Maybe you've held on to other things now in your life. So today, as, as we practice Advent, as we have these candles burning to remind us of the gifts that we have, we want to give you a gift. As the band comes up, we're going to have a time of reflection. On the screen, there's going to be some promises that we have from God's Word. And I want to encourage you today, wherever you are in your life, just consider what is the promise that you need from God today? What is the promise that you need to hold on to today? What is that lifeline that you need to behold? Uh, take in these promises. Behold them as God's words to you. This video will be shown twice. Just the first time, just let the promises of God like almost wash over you. Let them just cover you. Just take them in. And the second time, just invite God, allow God to gift you one promise for you. Just to gift you one promise for you to hold on to today, this week.